I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And away we go. Good Monday evening, Husker Online Monday rundown. Always fun to be with you. And there's my man, Scott. You excited, buddy? This is a hell of a run we're about to go on. <laughs> Where's the pineapple hat, Jeff? I know. I went I went, I went. in and gave it up today. I just went all bald to join in solidarity with you, sir. There were a lot of fans of that hat the last few weeks. People asking questions. Is he going to wear the pineapple? What's the, where's the pineapple? Hey, we got the same look going today. Blue yeah, skirt, same look going today. Yeah, with bald heads. I've got the pineapple. I actually worked to play golf the other day, uh, so it's around here still. I'll, I'll break it back. I got a lot of crazy hats. We'll break it back out next week. But for now, I decided to, again, show solidarity with you. Uh, fun show tonight, by the way. I know we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, but we, I know we got Sip back on. Always good. We got Rosie back on. That'll be good. Uh, Scott Beatty going to join us, host of Alumni Game Day, Illinois play-by-play baseball, Sports Talk 1400, WDWS in Champaign, Illinois. So that'll be fun. This is a big game. Yeah, it's really a big game for both programs. Illinois is in the driver's seat for the West right now. They have head-to-heads over uh, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin already. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, Nebraska's obviously right in front of them, and then they still have that game with Purdue on November 12th. Um, They've never really been in this position where they're kind of the lead dog favorite on October 29th, especially Mm -hmm. since the Big Ten has gone to divisional play. In fact, They've never been a factor this late since the Big Ten went into divisional play. Um, it's really remarkable what Brett Bielema has done. Uh, you know, in Nebraska, Illinois, two thirty game on ABC um, national TV, and should get a pretty good viewing audience. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue. I was talking to Sipple off the air today, and I'm like, look, you know, it's obviously big for Illinois, but what about Mickey Joseph? If he wins this game in front of an ABC audience. Um, on Saturday, you know, he's going to get a lot of momentum, a lot of steam. Then Minnesota comes in the next week, and and that's a fairly winnable game for Nebraska, too. Sure. No, oh, I think it is. Yeah, I, we've seen Minnesota begin to fade, and uh, th- this one here I think is going to be tough. You're talking about a rushing attack and an elite defense. I know you guys did a great job all week long on Husker Online while already building up because with the bye week, we, we've had a lot of time to kind of look at this thing, but – they're first in the country in total defense, in scoring defense. They lead the Big Ten in rushing defense and passing defense. So it's a it's a heck of a challenge here. You're right, though. If Mickey were to win this game, given all that we're laying out and how high profile it is and how well Illinois played and where they rank in these categories, how bruising they are as a rushing uh, entity as well, it would be a heck of a, uh, of a, of a sign for Mickey Joseph, perhaps, because uh, I don't think – Sean, other than Nebraska fans, that a lot of people would suspect that this is going to go in Nebraska's way, especially how beat up Nebraska is and their difficulties in stopping the run. Yeah, and, and protecting too. Uh, you know, I was looking at the numbers on Pro Football Focus. Illinois produces around 20 to 21 QB pressure plays per game. 
as a defense. And we know what this Nebraska offensive line has looked like. Um, so if they're in these obvious passing downs, you got to expect Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator of Illinois, and Brett Bielema, the head coach. I mean, they're going to turn it loose. Um, you know they're going to have a plan on Trey Palmer. So how does Mark Whipple combat that plan um, with other ways to get other people involved or maybe move Trey Palmer around? So there, there's a lot of things in this game. Both teams coming off a bye week, um, That that's something. So I see that one of the questions about Luke Reimer, we don't know for sure if Luke Reimer will be back this week, but um, you know it's likely he will. I mean, he's been out now three weeks with the extra week of rest, and he was pretty close to playing at Purdue. So um, good news, Luke Reimer should be back. Bad news is Nick Henrich officially off the depth chart as uh, we do believe he's out for the season now with an injury. Yeah, I know Trev on his radio show seemed to hint that he was gone for the year, right? That that's We think that's a definite thing now? Yeah, and Mickey will talk tomorrow, but um, yeah, Treb, Treb kind of gave the official statement in so many ways. We didn't talk to Mickey all week. Um, so we've gone from Purdue post game until now tomorrow, Tuesday, um, in between opportunities to talk to Mickey Joseph. So we'll learn a lot tomorrow um, just on where this team is at. I mean, they, they have been recruiting their butts off, though, over the bye week. I mean, Nebraska was out Thursday, Friday. Um, I've never seen Nebraska on two bye weeks go out and recruit like they have at this level. I mean, they, they've they hit it hard, and, and that kind of shows you how bad Mickey Joseph really is trying to make a run at this job. Well, and Sean, you you noted in your column uh, how much they're hitting the JUCO ranks. And, you know, the, the JUCO ranks, it's an interesting way to go. A lot of times you get an experienced player to come in here and right, right away can have a big impact. But also we know there's a danger in recruiting JUCO guys. So it, it, it is a sign of the times. It's not the same as a transfer portal guy, but they obviously are looking to get guys in here. And there's an immediacy to needing to plug and play right now. Yeah, they, they've offered seven JUCO guys the last two days, which it kind of tells you what they're trying to do is get in front of these prospects to hopefully get them back on campus, whether it's for the Minnesota game or maybe the Wisconsin game, probably the Wisconsin game. That's usually late in November when JUCO guys are allowed to visit before their bowl game or playoff structure uh, when that takes place. Um, but JUCO players in general have just kind of been thrown to the trash can with the transfer portal. That has just not really been an area where people are hitting it hard like they used to because the transfer portal is a much more proven, in some ways, um, database of <laughs> JUCO-type players that you're going to find that are already from Power 5 programs or Group of 5 programs. Um, so that that is something. And I do think when the NCAA eliminated the testing requirements, um, you know, to get into an NCAA school where you don't have to take the ACT anymore necessarily. Um, that actually took away a lot of players from JUCOs uh, because mm -hmm. you didn't have to score that 18 or 19 or whatever the number you'd have to get based on the old sliding scale. Now all you need is like a 2.3 or 2.2 and that's it to get into a college without an ACT score. Well, that takes away a lot of players from JUCO. So I do think JUCO recruiting has changed a lot um, in the last two or three years. You know, you just mentioned we talk about it is different than transfer portal. Transfer portal can when you're when you're going through a major rebuild and you're desperately trying to challenge and get back towards uh, at least somewhere in the middle to the upper tier of a division. I've watched and you have too as a college football fan, Sean. All around the country, teams have found a way to plug major holes, plug and play guys that come in and and don't just give you provide depth. 
but they're guys that start and in some cases overhaul an entire defense, overhaul an entire offense, or certainly make it possible to fight back from the, you know, the depths of despair to being very competitive very quickly. Yeah, you look at what Nebraska did on offense in the transfer portal this year with Casey Thompson, yeah. Trey Palmer, Marcus Washington, Anthony Grant's a Juco, but he's almost like a portal guy. He was at Florida State at one time, um, and he's the fifth leading rusher in the Big Ten Conference. Trey Palmer's the leading receiver. Uh, I think Charlie Jones might have passed him, though, after uh, the bye weekend. But, you know, think about Nebraska without these transfer portal players, where they would be right now, especially on offense. Compare that to Iowa, who said, hey, we're good. We're just going to roll forward with no additions to our offense. We're going to play with the same crummy quarterback. Oh, and by the way, Charlie Jones, we're just going to let him transfer to Purdue. And then Keegan Johnson gets hurt. Um, some other key receivers got hurt for them. And now we see what Iowa looks like. I mean, that would have been Nebraska, Jeff, if Nebraska wouldn't have added some of these players they brought in from the transfer portal. Yeah, it's unwatchable right now in Iowa, and they have their own set of problems. It makes for an interesting matchup at the end of the year. What would you make of the bye week? We all had a chance to kind of exhale, take stock of what we're seeing with the rest of the Big Ten and gear up for this, this run of five games. Uh, I thought Wisconsin looked very impressive in the way they dispatched Purdue. I was kind of surprised by that, Sean, um, at least by the score and the dominance uh, I was. And then, you know, just looking around at the other games, uh, you know, we just got talked about the aforementioned Iowa Hawkeyes getting absolutely disposed of by Ohio State. No surprise that Ohio State won, but to throw for four touchdowns in the second half the way that C.J. Stroud did, and really it's a sign that Iowa may be cracking. That defense can only hold up for so long. Yeah, uh, I, looking at the Big Ten, I, I thought just Wisconsin's win over Purdue was the one mm -hmm. that really got my attention. I'm not surprised Wisconsin won. Uh, but the way they handled Purdue, um, it's the Nebraska curse. Uh, every team that's played Nebraska, I think, has lost the next week. Oklahoma, <laughs> Northwestern has been cursed the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, the Nebraska curse continues. <laughs> Purdue can't use the momentum from that game against Nebraska to beat Wisconsin. And now Jim Leonard's in a great spot there. But, you know, Minnesota without Tanner Morgan, yeah. they, they're, they're not going to go into the whiteout game at Penn State and win. No. Um, and Iowa, obviously, in that game against Ohio State was well, very much undermanned. Now, their defense, Iowa's got a legit defense. I mean, they sure. they held in there for as long as they could have. But, you know, when you can't score, you're not going to beat Ohio State. Yeah, I thought it was fun early. They got the scoop and score on the hit, and you kind of thought, oh, maybe this will get interesting. And I think for a lot of people who are sporting guys or gals and you're looking at that total at 50 thinking maybe it stays under, no, Iowa got worn down and six turnovers. And, and you're right about the uh, Minnesota – Penn State game. It's a bounce back. Should be interesting as they move ahead because obviously Penn State uh, has a chance now to try to fight back after that embarrassing loss to Michigan. Doesn't seem like uh, they'll they'll give Ohio State a fight, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. So we get geared up now for what Nebraska has ahead of them, and we mentioned already about this matchup, but it's the set of running backs that Nebraska is going to be facing. That's why I'm so intrigued to hear Sean from Mickey this week about where Nebraska is at health wise because you need everybody you got going to this group of running backs yeah they're gonna see the four best running backs in the league over these final five games and it actually four straight weeks of the five the best four backs because uh, Iowa was the fifth game in there uh starting with chase brown uh then mo ibrahim from minnesota uh then blake quorum at michigan um all bing bang boom and then braylon allen who killed nebraska a year year ago in madison i mean there, there's nobody in the country that will see a stretch of running backs like nebraska will 
these next four weeks in a row. Now, Illinois, I think, plays Michigan, too, and Iowa, Wisconsin. Nebraska, they kind of have this little triangular where they all play one another um, to close out the year, those four teams. Um, but, yeah, it's going to really test the teeth of this defense. Nebraska hasn't played a team that has a player like Chase Brown where you know they're going to run the ball, like they want to run the ball, and that's their – the bread and butter. So that's what really jumps out to me about this matchup is how Nebraska's defense can handle playing a team like Illinois, where, you know, they want to run it right at you. What do you think? I know it's the week to week question, but how could it not be? What do you think the record has to be for Mickey Joseph in these five games? Oh, I mean, I think these next two games really will tell the story, but um, I think, if he got three wins out of the final five, it'd be hard for him not to, to land the job at that point. Um, two is even interesting. Um, a lot of it's still the feel. And I think this game really will, will start that process. Cause if you were to make it close or get a win, Minnesota is a very winnable game. Wisconsin and Lincoln to me still is very winnable. And Iowa's winnable. We know Michigan, Nebraska is going to be a, probably a 20 some point dog in, in Ann Arbor. Um, a lot, a lot of that will depend on this game and the other games. As it stands today, um, Illinois is about a touchdown, eight point, eight and a half point favorite uh, going into this game here in Lincoln on Saturday, which that is a big number for you know a team coming into Memorial Stadium not named like Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and obviously how the games look. You know, it's not we talk about the record that matters absolutely. But if one of these games were to get out of hand, now the Michigan game excluded, I suppose, Sean. I think we think that may not be a, a good day at the office for Nebraska. But but if Illinois were to come in this weekend and this game gets out of hand, it may not matter what Mickey Joseph does from there. Yeah, I, I think it could turn quickly one way or the other. I mean, if right, if, right, if, right. If Mickey, you know, if it if they go zero and two against Minnesota and you know, this game here on Saturday against Illinois, all of a sudden, I think the conversation is like, wow, like what's next? Yeah. When do they announce? <laughs> we got, we got to figure out a way to keep Mickey still on the staff. And I think that's, that's, you know, if it's not Mickey as the head coach, I think the best case scenario is can you keep Mickey here? Cause I do think he's that valuable in this whole operation. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of layers to that. Does he want to be here? Right. Um, you know, does the new coach want him to be here? Does Trev Alberts have a say? And is it really, you know, appropriate for an athletic director to make the, those recommendations in a hiring? Um, you know, and 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 are there other jobs that might come after Mickey Joseph? Those are all the things that we still don't know that will make this process very interesting here. And I, that's what I wrote about today. These next five weeks, no matter what, it's going to deliver great intrigue. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. I see Stip. Sip is ready to go and uh, is in the green room. We'll bring him in right now. As always, a pleasure. Good, sir. Good evening. <clears throat> Hi, Jeff. It's Sean. How are you guys doing? Great. Good to see you as always. Yeah, good to see you. I, interesting conversation. <laughs> what do you think, Sip? I mean, I know it's Monday, but sizing up Illinois, you've had time to think about this one. You've talked to a lot of folks. What's your feel for the week right now? 
it's going. I mean, I, I, it's, it's an immensely difficult game. I, I, it's. I think it's winnable, though. I mean, the, you don't want to go overboard in thinking Wisconsin's a juggernaut. I mean, they haven't played anybody. Um, they've they've built a record against a, a very hmm, palatable schedule, not a great schedule. Um, and you you hit it. Sean, I mean, it's all about Chase. It's, a lot of this is about Chase Brown. And can they, I mean, can they can they keep it manageable? I think Minnesota kept it manageable against Chase Brown. When we were in Purdue, we were, that was a night game, so we were, we were able to watch um, Minnesota and Illinois. And Chase Brown ran 41 times for 180 yards, and Minnesota had a chance to win that game partly because of that. I think if Nebraska can hold him in the 180 range, They'll have a good chance now. If he if he starts bleeding over two hundred, um, get get to two fifty, ah, just no, I don't like their chances. And let's face it, Nebraska hasn't been a very good run defense, so I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, it's those runs after ten plus yards, and and, and Brown, I believe, has thirty three of those on the year, uh, mm-hmm. ten plus yard runs. Where if he gets Jeez. out to the second level. And, and you know the assignment errors, the tackling. I mean that—that's what I look at this week, Sip. And obviously, Luke Reimer, um, you want to have him back out there. We're, we know Henrich is not going to play, um, but can Kalarovic make tackles on Chase Brown? Uh, can Ernest Hausman? Can mm-hmm. Magua Clements? Mm-hmm. Can those edge guys play with discipline? Those are all big ifs for me going into this game. When a guy like Maccabee two weeks ago ran all over him. Right. I mean, and the other thing about Illinois is it's not like it's all Chase Brown. I mean, that's largely the conversation. But if you watch the Minnesota game, uh, Tommy DeVito was good. I mean, he was very efficient. And Tommy DeVito has been efficient. It, You know, so Nebraska is definitely catching. I mean, Illinois is good. I don't I, I know people have kind of misinterpreted some of the things I've said. They, But they have benefited from a relatively soft schedule. But this will be really tough. It's just another game. All these Nebraska games are kind of interesting. I mean, they're interesting from the standpoint that if Nebraska wins, it's going to be close. If they win at all, you know, it's going to be that way the rest of the way. I mean, they're just going to have to. God, I mean, it'll just if they beat Illinois, it'll be because they win the game in the final few minutes. I mean, that's what you're looking at. There's no way Nebraska's sprinting away from Illinois. In part because Illinois possesses the ball so well. I think they're, that last week they were sixth in the country in time of possession. You mentioned Chase Brown's long runs. What I know Bill Bush is most mindful of is Bill Bush, the defensive coordinator for Nebraska, is Chase Brown turns three into six routinely, turns three yards into six yards routinely, which means what? means they move the sticks they just move the chains move the chains move the chains they possess the ball they possess it 35 minutes a game on average um that's that's going to be the trick you got to get enough possessions sip can they block them on the other side uh i you're gonna have to like hey jeff you, you know what's what's happened with nebraska it's they're, they're it's a very interesting conversation it's no way to live though I mean, this is, this is this is no way to live. But I don't know if they can block them, but they can block them long enough for for Casey to complete a few balls downfield, and that'll keep them in it. I mean, that's what they do. And you know, I was watching highlights of the Purdue game in the second half. Those long passes, offensive line protected. They protected mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. They protected Casey. 
I mean, we we harp on Nebraska's deficiencies here. I mean, this is what you do in every market, right? You just you just focus, talk all the time on deficiencies. I mean, if you're Ryan Walters, the Illinois defensive coordinator, you're watching that Purdue game and going, oh boy. I mean, they they got Palmer. They got some other guys. Oliver Martin with speed. Um, they have a good, a big, good tight end. They have a good running back. I mean, that's they have some weapons here that could scare you. Yeah, yeah the reason I, the re, I'm sorry about that, Sean. Go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, when you look at Illinois, Sip, they haven't faced an offense like Nebraska's. Like that. Mm-hmm. Look at the offenses they faced. There's really nobody on their schedule. Indiana, by the way, has the most points put up on them, 23 on the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't really seen, you know, playmakers like Palmer and Grant in, in these first few games. No, they haven't. Indiana has a few of those. Um, not like Grant, but they have they had receivers that we didn't see in Lincoln, Sean, because they were hurt. But they have, they have a couple good receivers. Um, but you're right. So it, I – I think I think people are pretty jacked up for this game in Lincoln. They should be because Nebraska can really make a move in the division if they beat Illinois. I mean, it get it get really weird, you know, in the West if Nebraska can pull this off. For people that are wondering, just real quick, I'll go over it for them. Okay, you're right, Sean. Thirty-eight to six over Wyoming. They lost to Indiana, twenty-three twenty on the road. But you know they destroy a terrible Virginia team. They destroyed Chattanooga. Who cares? They beat Wisconsin, thirty-four to ten, and Wisconsin was in the throes of their situation, nine to six over Iowa, and that's the worst offense I've ever seen. Minnesota, twenty-six to fourteen. So that's a fair point you make. Uh, they haven't seen anybody with any kind of real talent on offense at all. Right. So it's an interesting game from that standpoint. And it just comes back to, will Nebraska be ready for the scrap? You know, I mean, you'd think they would be. Um, And then the other thing, Sean's brought it up and maybe he brought it up tonight before I came on, you know, Bielema in their training facility, he has a sign hanging as the players walk out. It says master the outside. Uh, master the outside. And right now, what that partially means is those kids at Illinois are getting a lot of pats on the back and um, they're, they're getting this sort of reaction to their play that they're not used to, you know, now how will they react to that? I mean, two weeks of it. Um, I think that's something to watch. And also Balaam has talked about, this is the time of year where the NFL scouts and the NFL personnel people really start uh, getting in players' ear, and that can be a that can be a distraction, one that Nebraska hasn't had to worry a lot about in recent years. But um, Illinois, Illinois, Illinois is a little worried about that. That they they have they have some NFL players on that roster. You also for Illinois, I mean, they haven't played a game of significance in this late in the year in a long time. You might have to go back to Ron Zook, Juice yeah. Williams when they were in the Rose Bowl. Um, you know. Since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten in 2011, they've never been in the conversation to win a division. I mean, not even close. Yeah, this is their highest ranking, 17, since 2009. I don't know who their head coach. That was Ron Zook. That was yeah, the. Just, that, that's when they went to the Rose Bowl and they played Pete. Car- I believe they played Pete Carroll in the Rose Bowl. Okay. Yeah, they're not. They're not used to it. It's exciting though. Now I'm not. 
those kids might respond really well to it too. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's got to be a handful. I, I hope I make that clear to people that if Nebraska wins this game again, it'll be probably like Ruck or something like that, where they're they're going to have to hold on, you know, and you know that running back will make it really hard to do it. I, I wouldn't want them on the field at the end. I'd want Nebraska. If I were Nebraska, I'd want to close it out. Um, you, without, you don't trust the defense, Sip? <laughs> <laughs> They're 123rd in the country. Okay. Uh, that's, yeah. I'm, not, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Hey, good talking to you, friend. We're going to move over to uh, the host of Illini Game Day and Scott Beatty. You have a good evening. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, he already cut him off. He already cut him off. Sean, take over. Here we go, Scott Beatty. Yeah, we got my good friend Scott Beatty from uh, <laughs> Champaign, longtime Illinois expert broadcaster with the Illini Network. Scott, uh, first of all, thank you for coming on. Um, I know for you guys, I was just talking about when's the last time Illinois has played meaningful football on Halloween weekend? Oh, man, that, that's been a bit. Uh, Certainly, no meaningful football in November seems to be a rare thing. But to have clinched a bowl berth already in the middle of October and for the head coach to basically dismiss that as kind of just what happens this time of year and far below where the expectations are is something that hasn't been heard around here in a while. That's for sure. Did you see this coming, though? I mean, you guys had a great schedule to kind of build on. Obviously, Wisconsin and Illinois, or um, uh, the, the Wisconsin and Iowa games are on paper in the summer look like tough matchups. But as your the team started to come together, did you see this type of year coming with Illinois? Can I say yes so that people will give me more credibility? <laughs> because the answer was no. And – Look, maybe that's shame on us, but at the same time, accessibility is pretty locked down as most football programs are. But most of the questions around the program coming into the year have turned out not to be question marks. The offensive line, well, a couple of guys got drafted and, and, and moved on, so it felt like there was going to be big holes there. Turns out they're solid. We, we didn't understand, A, how – how much better Alex Palczewski was going to be able to move. And then Alex Pilstrom has really blossomed as a center. And then you add a couple of um, transfers from the Juco level that have filled in things nicely. So that's just become what they would say is the strong point of their offense. And of course, it helps when you have a Chase Brown. Nobody knew like Chase Brown's on another level. It was not a surprise that Chase Brown would – go past a thousand yards, but to go past it in the middle of October to set a streak of a hundred plus running uh, yards gained games uh, just did not see that coming. The receivers were a question mark, probably the biggest question mark when it came to the offense, they've been solid. 
And then, of course, nobody knew what to expect with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. And he is he is performing admirably, I would say, for what the system asks him to do and how to do it. Um, he's getting rid of the ball. He's limiting mistakes. He's playing with confidence and moxie that comes from a guy from New Jersey. So I think the offense has been a, more of a surprise. The defense we knew was good from last year. But the fact that they have even taken it to another level after several guys moved on, that's what's surprising as well. The question mark around the team that's remained has been more special teams, particularly in the kicking game. And we knew that was going to be a question mark. And that's kind of been inconsistent. So all in all, I did not predict six and one. Uh, my co-host on my daily show said Illinois will win between three and nine games. <laughs> Other than that. That's what he said at the beginning of the year. I was feeling well, seven and five, maybe eight and four if things break your way. Uh, now eight and four might be a disappointment with how this trajectory's gone. What about Brett Bielema and and the job he's done? Um, yeah, you look at the price. He's making about what four million a year right now at, at Illinois, which is one of the lower salaries in the Big Ten. Number one, you got to expect Josh Whitman's getting a new contract drawn up as we speak. Uh, because there are jobs open. I'm sure mm-hmm. we're going to come after them or at least – I mean, and Nebraska might be one of those teams that uh, says, hey, we'll, we'll pay you 7 or $8 million to come up to Lincoln. Uh, how, how, how happy do you think Bielema is back in the Big Ten at Illinois, and, and do you think he's definitely going to be due for a nice new contract down in Champaign? I, I, I do. I, I don't know whether that's being talked about, but it would make logical sense, as you just mentioned. Um, the fact that he's in his home state, maybe that uh, keeps him wanting to jump right away. I mean, and at some point, everybody's got their price and everybody's got what the maximum that they can give you. But resource-wise, besides the contract, Illinois is given Brett Bielma what he's asked for in terms of coaching staff, in terms of support staff in terms of some of the other bells and whistles that they need inside that building and marketing promotional type things. He's made more than one reference to stadiums not being full. That's not something he's used to. He wants to see Memorial Stadium in Champaign start to look like Memorial Stadium in Lincoln on a regular basis. Um, So those are some of the things. I, I would be shocked if he was not at Illinois or not given an extension and and any bolts i really would be but (laughs) uh, there's about half a dozen examples that come to our mind right now right that have transpired in the last 12 months across college football that um probably more shocking on that but uh back to your question i mean what has he done i mean he's brought the the guy is a professional football coach at the college level and by that lovey smith excels at the pro level, Brett Bielma is a master college coach, and he has brought in a great assistant staff from top to bottom. They know what they're doing. There is a plan. He is thorough in every aspect of his program, and he has learned from his mistakes made at you know primarily at Arkansas and is a little bit more humble than he was in his Wisconsin days, but yet um, has a swagger and a confidence and just knows what he's doing. He just knows how to put things together and make, make this thing hum. 
Uh, you mentioned special teams. I'm kind of curious uh, amongst the Illinois faithful now that obviously there are real expectations. There's something to lose when you start winning like this. Is there an area that folks are still uncertain of? It hasn't been a great schedule up to this point, but obviously the Illini have taken care of business. Is there an area of this team that you're still not certain about and that you think will you know, help this team sink or swim moving forward in terms of the record and what's possible uh, when we get answers to that question? Is there just a specific thing that you're like, I just don't know that we've been tested in that area yet? Uh, I don't know if it's not been tested. I just think Illinois has shown what it is at this point. They do a lot of things really well, but there's a few things they're not doing well. One of those is finishing in the red zone. There's been too many times it's been field goals, not touchdowns. And... Boy, it's just not necessarily a monstrously explosive offense. Um, it, it, there's not like, you know, there's playmakers, but there's not a Trey Palmer, for example, in the wide receiving core. And, and Chase Brown can bust one at any moment, but he's also a guy that's going to give you just a lot of chunk yards. Um, but for whatever reason, on the short field, Illinois has just kind of tightened up. And then it's the, the kicking game's been the other. Uh, question mark. They've had uh, Caleb Griffin has been injured. Um, I don't think you'll see him in, in this week, but Fabrizio Pinton, I don't think he's on scholarship, came in from Air Force where he hadn't kicked. He's gone seven for seven, but those have all been fairly close range in the field goal. So, um, I, you know, game on the line, longer range field goal. I guess that's a question mark, especially if it's in a hostile environment. The rest of it's just been I guess maybe Illinois has not faced yet a completely dominating offense. Minnesota was the one that I th thought would give Illinois the most test. And Mo Ibrahim was was him, and he, he got more than 100 yards, but they only had 38 passing yards. So offenses, you want to have a good passing game against Illinois, okay, you're not going to have a good running game or vice versa. It's It's been. So I don't know that there's too many question marks left, but – Right now, Michigan is going to be the only ranked team they'll play, ranked at the time they face them. Scott, are you expecting um, a good contingent of Illini fans to travel to Lincoln? I mean, this is probably, you know, in terms of matchups, these two schools have played since Nebraska joined the Big Ten. I can't think of one that's been more meaningful than this, where if they leave Lincoln, they probably almost have the West clinched at that point. That's a good question. I don't think it'll be in the way that Nebraska comes to Champaign. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, and, and, and Illinois is still sort of coming back onto people's minds. Um, I was actually with the off weekend. I traveled this past weekend to Washington, D.C. with took my son on a trip. And uh, anytime Illinois came up, oh, you guys got a good football team this year. You know, it was kind of this, oh yeah, we're starting to think about that again. So uh, the alumni base is pretty strong, but it tends to be more in the big population centers on the coasts and in Chicago and of course in the state. So I don't know how many people, are there even seats available is, is the other question. <laughs> Sean, uh, I think we got to wrap with Scott because Rosie's ready to go, but I really appreciate you coming on tonight, Scott, and uh, enjoy the uh, football. Enjoy the season. It's a good one so far for the Illini. We appreciate your time, buddy. I I really appreciate the opportunity. By the way, I feel like odd man out here. I know. I know. Look, at some of that, those, Scott. look at those flowing locks. Yeah, and I need a haircut too, and I'm a radio guy, right? So this is just <laughs> – I'm not used to this. <laughs> Be good, good, sir. Have a great evening. Yeah, appreciate it.
Yeah, take care. That's uh, Scott Beatty. He is host of Illini Game Day, Illinois play-by-play for baseball as well, and now on Sports Talk 1400 WDWS there in Champaign. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. We transition from Scott to our own Rosie, who I think, does he have, let's see, let's pull it out. Let's go. I want to see what we've done this week. Good, sir. Good evening. As always, how are you? Hanging in there, fellas. How you doing? Good, 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 good. We're all hatless tonight. Uh, You two have much better hair than Sean and I. Uh, Well, it's hard to keep up. (laughs) <laughs> Boy, that backdrop gets better every time, Rosie. Well, you know, I'm trying to do my best. You know, I was in television about 30 years ago, and, uh, you know, old habits die, and it takes a long time and a lot of energy to bring them back to life. So here we are uh, working in a digital age and high def, and it's a slow burn, but we're going to get there by the end of the season. So did you bring your prop? Do we want to launch the prop? Well, uh, we're going digital on this one, man. Uh, I mean, oh, Jeff, we're not. We're, we're, we we got rid of my. You know, this is what happens. Okay, when when we get all important and high def, we get rid of all the good props. So that thing's been retired after one week. Okay. Well, it has so. to be because there's a weird glare, Rosie. We yeah. can't even always see. So you know what are you going to do? Okay, so Trey's going to pop this up here for us. Let's get a look at all this. Right. Up, so this down. is. Uh, it's become uh, it's become the rage of Husker Nation, and that is Rosie's coaching derby is the trend, your friend. And here's where we are uh, heading into this week. Now, uh, bear with me, folks, because there is a science to this, and All we right. go the surface here on the Monday Rundown. We don't just skim the surface like many do. We go deep to deliver for the vastly growing audience. But Lance Leipold's team was down 28 to three at halftime at Baylor. And the coaching adjustments at halftime in that game were remarkable. And it was 28-24. And remember, they're doing it without their starting quarterback into about a 35 to 40 mile an hour win for at least one quarter in the second half. And KU is beginning to to show what little depth they have. They're losing guys on defense. They're playing guys way too long on defense. But for them to come back like they did on the road against a very athletic team says Lance is on the upswing. Luke Fickle continues to fly under the radar. Uh, His team wins again. They've won 19 consecutive conference games. Uh, His buyout is only $5 million. What are we waiting for, right? I mean, maybe he's making it clear. I like it here. There may be one or two jobs in in my wheelhouse. Maybe Nebraska is one of them, maybe not. But Luke Fickle continues to put Cincinnati in the top 25, and they play good football. Now, they didn't have a particularly great game in the second half against SMU. But they made a couple of big plays to keep a key drive alive. So Fickle's on the upswing. Everybody's talking about TCU, and justifiably so. But all of those players were recruited by Gary Patterson, okay? Sonny Dykes may be a great coach, but that roster is Gary Patterson's roster. Now, I know things went kind of south at TCU over the last couple of years there. Fell out of love with the administration. He probably said and did some things that he'd like to probably not have and be able to take back. But that's his roster. Max Duggan is his recruit, and he's available. He's basically an analyst for the Texas football team. And remember, Mm -hmm. in 2007, 
Gary Patterson quietly made it clear, I want the Nebraska job. After Bill Callahan was fired, he wanted it. And this was when TCU was in the top 10, right? Top 10, top 15, they were going to Rose Bowls and winning them. He wanted this job. Tom Osborne ignored the pleas, went with the guy that he wanted, Bo Pelini. How great would Nebraska have been with a recharged Gary Patterson in the Big 12 Conference? I think pretty good. So I give Gary Patterson a lot of credit for that roster, and why not? He's 62 years old, 62 is the new 52, or in the case of SIP, 75 is the new 55. So <laughs> what we've got here is a really is a really young 62 with Gary Patterson, and nothing would recharge that guy more than the opportunity to come to Lincoln and rebuild this program. He grew up in Kansas. He knows all about Nebraska football. I still say Gary Patterson may be on an A-plus between an A and a B list. But we can't end Rosie's coaching derby this week, that is the trend, your friend, without having fun with the Ferentz boys. This was maybe the sorriest performance out of an offense that I have seen in many years. This was truly awful. They had five turnovers in their first 33 snaps. They had two weeks to prepare and diagram their first series of plays. Usually some of your best calls come in the first series, right? You've looked at film. You think you can make some plays in the first series. A lot of coaches score on their first drive if they know what they're doing. On the first play from scrimmage against Ohio State, this is the play they practiced for two weeks. It was an interception literally right into the safety's hands. The quarterback didn't see him. And that was that was the highlight of the game offensively for Iowa because there was actually some, some spiral on the football. But when you consider that they didn't get their first first down until their fifth possession, they finished with 158 yards, this, this is a truly awful offense. And it's really sad because, frankly, Iowa's defense this year is as good as they've had in years. And their defense is good enough. Remember, they've scored as many touchdowns as the offense has. Their defense is good enough to get them a 10-win season. But they may have a five-win season. So that's Rosie's coaching derby for this week. And every week, folks, just so you know, when we come back in here, that board changes. Rosie doesn't rest on his laurels every week. We get a new and altered and adjusted according to the evidence on the field of play and whispers off of it. What's happening on this board? When we don't know something, we just make it up, as you guys know. But it's all for the fun and frivolity of a, a wonderful program on a Monday night to get your week started. Bill O'Brien in Alabama had another good game and another good week. And I don't understand the complaints about Bill O'Brien because Alabama has one of the best offenses in the country this year. They only lose people to the NFL every year, but they're third in total offense. I beg your pardon. They are 15th in total offense. They average seven yards per play. They average 485 yards per game. They have snapped it uh, in the top five in the country, number of snaps through the first seven games, eight games of 2022. So people complain about Bill O'Brien's offense at Alabama. I'm trying to find what's wrong with it. Have you guys found what's wrong with their offense? All they do is move it up and down the field. He's developed a dynamic Heisman Trophy winning caliber quarterback. This guy's team puts it in the end zone. They throw the ball. They run the ball. They don't give up sacks. They have athletes at every position. So what's the problem with Bill O'Brien? But apparently in no. Alabama, there's a problem with Bill O'Brien. 
Yeah, well, they're, they're spoiled at Alabama, that's for sure. I am curious, though, Jim, who who is your leading candidate at this point? And is it is it Mickey Joseph at this point, or is it certainly somebody not at Nebraska? I think Mickey Joseph is a legitimate candidate. Uh, but I also believe this. I, my understanding is he has hinted to people, and I don't think it's a lot of people, but he's hinted to people that he would be okay staying on the staff as a coordinator. Mm-hmm that he would be okay, that given the circumstances and depending on who it is, that Mickey would not immediately get mad, storm out of the room, take 30 players with him. I know that's a grave fear by Husker Nation. But remember, Mickey's a Nebraska guy. He's a Husker, and he, he, he appreciates this tradition. He appreciates coaching here. And he also may be finding out that being a head coach isn't necessarily the greatest gig in the world these days, uh, that it's okay to be a coach's co- a player's coach, uh, that it's okay to get paid very handsomely to recruit guys, develop guys, develop relationships with guys, because if he ultimately becomes the head coach, he's going to have to change the way he yeah. approaches the job. He can't be a player's coach anymore. He's kind of a hybrid of that right now because he was an assistant. Now he's the head coach. He's got to become the CEO. Does Mickey Joseph want to be a CEO? I don't know. I, I, we haven't talked to him about that, but that's what Trev Alberts expects. He expects his head coach to be a CEO and have assistants coach the guys, teach them to play, drill them, get them ready for the game. And maybe Mickey wants to continue to do that. And if that's the case, it could be a perfect fit with somebody from the outside. And again, as I've said last week and the week before, if Mickey Joseph was on the open market, any new coach here would come after him. So why would they not be interested in having him stick around as an assistant coach if that is indeed what happens? Rosie, I want to ask you about two candidates that were not on your board but did generate a lot of steam this week. Number one, Lane Kiffin. Uh, and I, I think that was more just people having fun uh, because of a private jet that went from Oxford to Lincoln, but we know that didn't take place. But Mark Stoops, I think, is a name that has generated a lot of traction. He's kind of landlocked on salary because of John Calipari, almost like Lance Leipold is at Kansas with Bill Self. Um, but 10 years at Kentucky. Um, he's an Iowa guy that played for Iowa from Ohio. I mean, he does make sense in some respects, um, you know, to, 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 to look at a job like Nebraska. I mean, what are your thoughts on those two names? Two outstanding candidates, Sean. I don't think Lane Kiffin is interested in leaving the SEC because that is a perfect conference for his style of offense. You're talking about a fast pace, fast break, you know, no huddle, uh, very, very conducive to warm weather offense. I think it would be very difficult for him to game plan and strategize against his base philosophy in the Big Ten, where it's a physical conference, it's a possessions uh, premium conference. You got to run the ball. You're going to run into horrible weather from time to time. Uh, and I just think he thinks in his greatest nightmare in Nebraska, he's staring at third and nine the whole game, and that's a problem for Lane Kiffin. And that could happen in this conference. You throw the ball in bad weather. A lot of times it's not going to be completed. Doesn't mean it wouldn't work. He was born in Lincoln. He lived here for about 18 months before Monty took the job at Arkansas. Uh, I don't think he has a great affinity for Nebraska for that reason. I don't know that he hates Nebraska by any means. But when you're a head coach in the SEC, if they give you everything you need to be successful, you're crazy to leave. They, they have 250 prospects within four hours drive of Oxford. Uh, and it's easy to hide them in Oxford. It's a cool place. We all know about how much material there is in the state of Mississippi. Nebraska used to get kids out of Mississippi. Corral Buckhalter, in my opinion, is the most underrated back we've ever had. 
But uh, it's hard to get a head coach out of the SEC if he's got institutional support. And Archie Manning will ensure that Ole Miss always has institutional support for football. In fact, you could say there are two sports in Mississippi. There's football and baseball. Everybody else starves down there. Look at basketball. Kermit Davis has been there. He can't get any support for basketball. Nobody cares about basketball. But they love baseball and they love football. be hard to get Lane Kiffin out of there unless he feels like, um, the walls are closing in on me and, you know, they're looking at another double digit win season this year. Yeah. Stoops is an interesting pick. And I think there is a lot of attraction to him, but he may be in that Lance Leipold class, fellas, where he's at a place where if he wins seven, eight games a year, he is in tall cotton and the SEC and Kentucky has all of the resources to get him his seven or eight wins. His buyout is not huge. He's getting paid a lot, but uh, Nebraska, if they really want Stoops, can go get him. I just think it would be very difficult culturally, even though he's kind of a Midwest guy, be very difficult culturally for an SEC coach ingrained in that system with their recruiting contacts in the South to leave to come to the Big Ten. He's a hero in Kentucky right now. I just got done doing an interview on a Sunday college football wrap-up show that I do uh, with one of the Kentucky beat writers. They said that they're co- thinking about contemplating erecting a statue to Mark Stoops, to your point. I mean, this guy is getting them to a bowl every year, and he is a hero. And if, if that's all he ever does, he'll be a hero. He's done a great job. Now, Kentucky always supported their football team. Even when they weren't winning, they would still put fifty-five, sixty thousand in there because it's the SEC, and the it's like SEC South Carolina. is yeah, it's it's like a mini NFL. The fans down there not only pull for their team, but they pull for the league. So it's a cultural experience to go to the games. So even though they haven't been greatly successful in the elite sense, they absolutely still have a lot of interest and a lot of fan support down there. And unlike, say, Brett Bielema at Illinois, his team's playing super well. And I think if they beat Nebraska, they'll have a full house for their next home game. But they've trained their fans at Illinois to do something else on Saturdays for years. (laughs) Coach changes, player changes, bad football. It's hard to get them back, even though it's not a big stadium. Uh, But down in the SEC, that is not an issue. What do you think about this game on Saturday? We we even got to Illinois. I mean, do you – does the matchup concern you, Jim, with Chase Brown? And then on the other end, this Illinois defense, nine points a game, number one in the country in yards allowed per game in terms of total defense. I mean, it, everything on paper says that Illinois is going to win this game going away, but by week, home game, there's a lot of intangibles that you really can't measure either. This game worries me greatly because this is the most physical team Nebraska will have played the whole year. Uh, your point about their schedule with the previous guest is spot on, Shano, but they have four guys on defense, okay? Four guys. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate at running back. But they got four guys on defense, Jacobs, Martin, Witherspoon, and Newton, who have all been named to at least one midseason All-America team. That is a very physical and athletic team. Lovey Smith got guys. He didn't know what to do with them when they arrived, but he got guys. And Brown is legitimately the best back Nebraska will see all year. He and Blake Corum, maybe, you know, Ibrahim. But I, I, I just love this guy. I love the way he plays. I love his feet. He makes four yards into eight yards better than anybody. He makes eight yards into 28 yards. And they have given up sacks. So if Bill Bush dials up 
some blitzes, you better hope that they get to DeVito because if DeVito gets to the hot route or they get it to this guy, it's six points. He's so great in the open field. You can't tackle him. You can't get a good angle on him. So I think this is the story of the year in the Big Ten. But I'm not terribly surprised because Bielema did the same thing at Wisconsin. He took the Barry Alvarez players and won three straight Big Ten championships. Uh, he's, he's really a very good coach. Uh, and he went to the transfer portal and got DeVito from Syracuse. And you guys know this. DeVito had good numbers at Syracuse. He was not some bench warmer. The guy threw for 58% of his passes, completed about 4,000 yards worth of passes. He had a solid quarterback rating there. So he was a, a free agent quarterback. I mean, how good would Iowa be if they had Tommy DeVito right now? They'd be a hell of a lot better than they are. So I like this guy. Uh, and like I said, it's physical team. They've got good receivers. And unlike Purdue and Rutgers, although I thought Rutgers was a pretty tough team defensively, they have folks on the back end that can run with you and they will strike you. So if Trey Palmer has another big game, he really is an NFL receiver because he's going up against guys that will hit him and guys that will cover him. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Sounds like you'd be very surprised if Nebraska won this football game. Well, I think they're going to have to play a game they haven't played all year. Uh, they cannot mess around offensively uh, like they have in the previous couple of games, uh, at least for a half. Uh, played better for most of the first half against Purdue. But if Nebraska comes out and has a half like it did against Rutgers, this will be a disaster uh, of, of epic proportion because Bielema is the kind of guy that will drive you into the ground. I mean, he, he's yeah. not a sweet guy once the game begins. And he's been able to impart that philosophy on his guys. Uh, but I think you're going to have to have a defensive game that we probably haven't seen because it's a physical offense. And they have weapons. These receivers can go get the ball. Isaiah Williams, former quarterback, he can go get the ball. DeVito is good. He's just good at quarterbacking the team. Not spectacular, but good. Uh, and I just think it could happen, sure. Momentum, absolutely. Uh, if Nebraska can get a turnover, if they can get a defensive score early in the game, we all know that the game hinges in many ways on momentum. So to suggest that the Huskers are outclassed, no, not at all. To suggest that they can't win this game, no, not at all. But uh, I think this is the most physical team the Huskers will have played so far this year. And how well will Nebraska hold up physically against these guys? That's a big question. And we're going to need to have some good things happen early in the game. Jim, Jim as we wrap it up, we'll also get schedules uh, from the Big Ten this week uh, for the future. And they're going to keep divisions one more year. I don't think anyone's surprised. Uh, how intrigued are you, though, when USC and UCLA get added to this league, how they kind of divide up your, your locked-in games and – are you anticipating that Nebraska is going to get stuck with the L.A. teams? Um, how will they kind of divide up? I mean, what, what's your feel on how the league should divide this up? I think you got to look at level of competitiveness now, Shano and Jeff, and that is the Big Ten Eastern Division is so much better than the Western Division this year. Penn State is capable of finishing in the top ten, but they'll be in third place in the Big Ten Eastern Division. So you're going to have to put, at least initially, 
I think the two LA teams in the so-called Western division. Well, they're they're going to get rid of the East and West. Yeah, they're going to get rid of East and West, but they'll probably put them up against teams that are in the Western division now uh, as a means to balance things out. Now, you're going to have your marquee matchups for TV, USC, Ohio State, USC, Michigan. But I, I think that there's a real good chance they're going to put those California teams up against the Nebraskas, the Iowas, the Minnesotas, the Wisconsins. And for Nebraska, uh, because the Huskers are still a TV draw, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I think you're going to see, just like when Nebraska joined the Big Ten back in 2011, you're going to see the conference lining up Nebraska against those, those uh, traditional powers and the, as we call them, helmet games. You got to. I mean, they're, they're putting a billion dollars on the line for this television deal. It can't be Northwestern versus Purdue. It's got to be UCLA, Nebraska, USC, Nebraska, UCLA, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Ohio State, Michigan. They got to have those those matchups. Otherwise, TV need to, people crazy. All, sorry, guys. All the more reason we need Nebraska to get back to their rightful place amongst the nation's elite. So those marquee matchups have that ring to it. Uh, and I think we all look forward to that. Jim, always a pleasure. Good, sir. Thank you. And uh, that was fun. I can't wait to see the list again next week. And, well, we're going to uh, do that. And uh, we're, we got that coming, fellas. But we also have, uh, and we're going to, as many of the old timers, and they're big fans of the show, uh, they were they were nodding their heads when I drew the comparison between Rick Burns and Devin Mockaby in the Purdue game. Now, uh, <laughs> this is just as an example of how we deliver over-deliver to the audience on a weekly basis. Not only do we have pictures of Rick Burns versus Devin Mockaby, but we may even drag out a little video from the olden days. And you make the call. Could this guy, I mean, look at that and then look at Burns and you're talking about the same running style. But if we dig out some video of when Rick Burns tore up Alabama and Rick Burns tore up Oklahoma, that was in the 78 game right there. Look at that blocking. Yeah. Andre Franklin, Kelly Saulfeld, walk on from Columbus, Nebraska, wound up in the yeah. NFL. Um, of course, it'd be nice to have a hole like that now, wouldn't it? Um, hey, you're going to see maybe, just maybe, Devin Mockaby is the reincarnation of Wichita <laughs> Falls, Texas native Rick Burns. Uh. We do deliver, and it's thanks to you, Rosie. Thank you very much. That's good. Make more obscure references each week so that Trey has to find them in the annals of football history because his he's a young lad. There's no yeah. chance he's never heard of any of the guys you just named. I have. I'm old enough to remember, but I love that you referenced it, so that's good. We're going to put him on a hunt every week. Well, he's the highest-paid producer in the business for a reason. Wait a minute. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this, this is from the OU game, I think. Uh, either the Oil or Alabama yep. game. Yep, here you go. So we're talking the Alabama game in 1977. Bears team comes into Memorial Stadium. These guys are ranked number four in the country. They got great players, Ozzie Newsome. Look at that huddle. Rutledge, Tony Nathan. Uh, the Huskers had gotten defeated by Washington State, had been defeated by Washington State the week before. This is a fake field goal, my friends. You're going to love this. What Nebraska pulled out all the stops. Oh, no, you kicked the field goal there. But there was a fake field goal in that game, and Burns scored. Uh, and, G- and Jim Pillum, the next governor of Nebraska, had two interceptions in this game. Uh, part of it was a good pass rush by the front four, or in that case, the front five. But see, this is the kind of stuff Huskers love right here, man. Take you back to 77. Oh, okay, here we go. A little flea flicker. Boom, down the field it goes. Oh, and he uh, man, got in behind Ted Harvey there. That's Ozzie Newsome right there, man. He was a great one. 
Uh, it was a yeah, great game, great. one of Tom Osborne's best games. So we're going to show some Rick Burns next week, a little Rick Burns action, and then compare it to this. Devin Lockerbie. Oh, You're going to think it's the same. Oh, look at that option. Yeah, I yeah, miss yeah. it. I miss Why are we it. showing Alabama highlights? Fire that guy. Come on, man. Yeah. This is not the Alabama Monday rundown. Come line. on, Trey. Get, get it together, buddy. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, here's Burns. There he is at the top of the eye with old Franklin. Man, Andre's best blocking fullback we ever oh, had. Oh, there's the pass play. Burns throws the pass play to Curtis Craig, Roger Craig's brother. And what a game he had, too. <laughs> Curtis Craig. We're putting people to bed tonight with warm memories of a bygone era and a special time in football. Look at this offense. (laughs) There's Rick Burns. Okay. Oh, no. Look at the fleet flicker. Tom Sorley. Down the field he goes to Ken Spate, the tight end, the big kid from Minnesota. He got the foot down. Nobody was fooled on that play. (laughs) Nobody Nobody was was really well covered. He dropped a dime in there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, now maybe is this, this is the fake field goal. This could be the fake yeah. field goal. Hang on, guys. This, this was great stuff. This could be the fake right here. Oh, yep, there it is. is. Okay, look at Rick Burns. Here he is. Good catch the pass. Now watch him oh, go into the end zone. Boom! Oh. Into the end zone there. And the place went crazy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> look at him. They are going oh. crazy. Indeed. Oh, man, we were going You crazy. were there, Rosie, weren't you? I was there, man. And you know something? We were like a 20-point underdog, and T.O.'s thinking, okay, we got beat by Washington State. I still got to play Alabama, Missouri, uh, Iowa State. I got to play Colorado and Oklahoma. I could have five losses this year and then be out of a job. <laughs> so he pulled out all the stops in that game. Man, they ran flea flickers and double reverses and halfback passes and fake field, field goals, goal. and, yeah, and we beat them. And we beat him that day. It was a great victory. One of T.O.'s best victories of all time. Now, here's I.M. Hip. He's at the uh, top of the eye on this one. You know, Isaiah Moses. Look at, guy could, look at The guy could hip sled 900 pounds. What a legend the, he was. Look now, at the this is good. We'll swing pass. Now, check it out. Boom. Down the field he goes. And he's going to drill the guy. Oh, man, That's Isaiah. He was a walk-on. Chapin, South Carolina. Fast. He was a Jim, good he's now he's darn, darn near a scratch golfer now, believe it or not. I'm I am leaving us on this note. Good job, Trey. Wow. <laughs> We're going to have a second show called Film with Jim. Listen, I would watch, and I'll be part of it. I'll sit here and just tee him up. There we go. Let's walk, go. Down, walk down memory lane. Let's visit the good old days. <laughs> All right, fellas. Hey, you be good this week. I'll see you next Monday. Thanks, you Jim. Too. Thank you so much, Jim. That was great. Hey, don't forget, everybody, as we sign off, the kind of fun games we have around here on a Monday night. Husker Online, I think you get it 10 bucks for the year. It's worth it for that segment alone. Just that on Monday nights, I'd pay $10 for. Uh, that's right, huskeronline.com. It's there for $10 the entire year. We're covering the coaching search, and they are the best in the business at Husker Online. Sean, good week as always, buddy. Good luck to you. I'll be back with you on Monday. Uh, enjoy the week and continue the great work, sir. And hey, uh, thanks, we'll talk with you. Take care, everybody.